Hey everyone, we started a new series at Snapshot this month. We're talking about anxiety, the things that cause it, the things that we can do to help mitigate it, and what the scripture has to say about these important pillars and things in our lives um, that sometimes our culture has wildly off base um, and brings us back more towards what God intends for us to be and the way that he actually created us. So let's jump into it. So we started off in our small groups, and we looked at Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Uh, It's kind of long, but I think we're going to read it all because I think it'll be helpful. And you got some questions afterwards, so take some time to open up your Bible to Luke. Make sure you look at it and kind of read the story for yourself and think through it. But it says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he, Jesus, was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them up with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, and he said to himself, If Jesus, if this man was really a prophet, he would know what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed $500 and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom the canceled debt is larger. And Jesus said, You have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. Um, And she came to wet my feet with her tears and wipe them up with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this man who thinks he can forgive sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is an amazing story. Um, We've taught on it a few times. Samantha's taught on it. And it's just really powerful because Jesus is confronting something here. And... He's trying to teach the Pharisees, you guys have really messed something up that God has intended for God's people to be. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you're really intended to be like this. So the thing that we talked about, the way to fight off anxiety that we're talking about this week is belonging, right? Everybody wants to belong, right? If you walk into a room, you want to know, first of all, are you safe? Second of all, does anyone, is there anyone there you can trust? Are these people going to like me? And then can I like talk to them and have fun, right? Like there's like all these layers and levels when you meet new people. And for most people, it's really hard, especially nowadays. Our culture has trained us to be very isolationist, very to ourselves, and not to trust um, new people, other groups of people. And Jesus wasn't necessarily 
doing that, right? Like he was going around inviting whoever was hearing him speak to follow him, right? He had 12 disciples, but he had tons of other people following him. And like, they'd be on the road and he'd just be like, you, you want to join this? Let's go. And that was it. That's all he had to do. He didn't like vet them and talk to them forever and research their family history. I mean, he was Jesus, so he probably just knew all that, but still, right? Like he invited whoever wanted to join him and the cause and be part of this community um, that was living under God's kingdom, un- under God's rule and reign, to join him. And that's the point Jesus is making here to these Pharisees, right? So remember that in the story, um, how Jesus actually kind of reads Simon the Pharisee's mind, right? Like he's just thinking in his head, Jesus doesn't know what kind of woman this is. He, w- he shouldn't be doing this. Like this isn't proper. She's not worthy to be here. And he's a rabbi. Like this kind of woman should not be around him, right? Um, and Jesus responds, right? How do you, Jesus responds by telling the story and explaining that this woman understands how much he's been forgiven, right? Um, and this is an amazing way of Jesus telling the Pharisees, you guys have gotten this all wrong. God's heart is that everyone belongs and this woman belongs, right? He goes on to say, you know, I, in, in some of these other verses we're going to look at, where he talks about tax collectors, um, that he's come to seek and save the lost, or he hasn't called those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners to repent, right? Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. That's what Jesus says in response to the same Pharisees later when he um, interacts with, with them in these uh, scenarios he has where he, first of all, calls a tax collector to be one of his disciples, and another one who ends up following him as well, but not one of the 12 disciples, right? Jesus is using his position of power to say, no, these people are indeed welcome and they do belong somewhere, right? So many times people feel like they cannot be part of church because they've done something wrong and that thing defines them, right? Gosh, I hope that's not so, right? All of us have done something that we're not very proud of and we don't necessarily want everyone to know. And if everyone does know, it feels terrible. But guess what? Jesus says she's been forgiven and he doesn't look at her any differently. And he doesn't, she didn't need to do what she did. She was overwhelmed with this joy and excitement because of what Jesus had done. But Jesus didn't require any of that. So let's look at another story where that happens too. In Luke chapter 19, verses 5 through 10, this is the story of Zacchaeus, right? The tiny tax collector who climbs up in a tree because uh, he wants to see Jesus as he's passing by. It says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come on down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, they being the Pharisees. He had gone to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, I have half the goods I give, I have, I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it to them fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Right? Here's Zacchaeus, this guy who was not living well, right? He was a tax collector. So think about it. There's a, a occupying force of the Romans are in control of Israel, right? They want to be their own country, but the Romans are there. They're occupying. They have soldiers on the street. They're imposing their rule and law over the Jewish people. And Zacchaeus, a Jewish person, 
instead of being angry at them, he is working for them and taking money for them from his own people to give to the people who are occupying. Right? And that's the same for this next story that we're going to read about Matthew, um, Levi, uh, Jesus' disciple. Um, so, right, Zacchaeus is not well-liked. And not only that, he's a very dishonest tax collector, too. Like, he's taking more than he needs to so he can be rich himself. And when he is forgiven by Jesus, when Jesus says, hey, you belong, I'm going to come over to your house and hang out with you. Right? That's literally giving Zacchaeus instant street cred and saying, no, this rabbi cares about me, and he invited himself to my house. Like, it's a great honor. And just at the fact that he belongs, I want you to see that. The fact that Zacchaeus feels that he belongs because of the way Jesus treated him, he understands what he did. He gives half of his money away to the poor. And then he says, if I've stolen from anyone, just come and talk to me and I'll make it right, but not just make it right, but I'll add interest on top of it. Like, I'm not just going to pay you what I owe you. I'm going to pay you more because my heart's been changed because I belong to something, right? Like just the simple act of belonging completely transformed this man's life. And the same comes for this next story, which is in Luke chapter five, verses 27 through 32, right? This is when Jesus calls Matthew, who um, in this version is called Levi, right? That's his actual Jewish name. We just call him Matthew because of some stuff. (laughs) So later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his tax collector's booth, right? This dude is sitting all alone because nobody wants to hang out with him, right? He has nowhere to be because none of the Jewish people are his friends and none of the Roman people are his friends either, right? He's just sitting there doing this job and not enjoying life, right? He says, and Jesus says, follow me and be my disciple, So Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Right? They are not mincing words. They do not like Levi, and they don't think Jesus should be there, and that they don't think Jesus' other disciples should be there. These people are not the right people to hang out with. These people are not okay enough. They can't belong because they're not following all the religious ro- uh, rules and laws. They're not being holy enough for the religious people. Um, and if they're not being holy enough for them, then they're not being holy enough for God. Right? And Jesus is completely doing the opposite. He's hanging out with them and saying, no, you belong in the kingdom of God, right? And when Jesus hears this, he says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent, right? We don't have to look for people who think they're perfect or people who feel that everything in their life is great, right? Like when people know their stuff messed up, when they know that there are things going wrong, those are the people that we can offer belonging to, and those people get to know Jesus. So, and talking about anxiety, um, the, the main topic for this week, right? Belonging has everything to do. This giant overarching social anxiety that everyone has. What would life look like if you walked into a room and you knew people weren't going to be judging you for the way you looked, the way you acted, where you lived, what clothes you were wearing, like anything at all. And like you could just be you. Like imagine that. Just imagine that right now. Like, how freeing would that be? I pray that when you come to church and youth group, you can feel a little bit of that. And I pray that we get even better at that um, in our group after after reading these scriptures and letting this idea soak into our hearts and minds. All right. But think about that. Belonging 
fights anxiety because God wired us this way. He wired us to be in community, right? So when we sit alone by ourselves and we just use technology to talk to each other, it's good and useful because sometimes you that's the only way you can contact people. But if we always wall ourselves off and the only thing we do is post some videos and be like, oh, I know what's going on with my friends' lives. Like, you don't really, right? You could be there with them. And God wired us this way, um, this chemical in our brains called serotonin gets released and it builds up the more we're around people and have caring relationships with people and this thing can like lower our blood pressure and do all these wonderful health effects like the opposite of everything that anxiety does to you right like it slows down your metabolism makes your blood pressure go really high like you get worried and you're tense all the time like serotonin does all of the opposite things and God wired it into our brains that when we hang out and have good, caring relationships with people and they're reinforced by us, like just hanging out and talking and sharing and being able to trust each other, the serotonin builds up and it actually has a great effect on our mood. So like it doesn't happen like right away, like a dopamine hit, like when you like eat something super tasty or like you experience something super amazing or you like see something that's super great. like. Like our culture chases that we chase like the really quick fixes. We chase the things that make us feel really great for a second and then they're done. They're fleeting. But the serotonin, this belonging is something that lasts and it has great effects in our lives. All right. God wired us that way. I don't want to admit this. All right. Absolutely. Last Bible verse. Second um, Corinthians chapter five, verses 15 through 16. This is Paul talking about Jesus. He says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Right? I love that sentence. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Right? That's like our, our theme verse for the year. Right? Like race, creed, nationality, all of these things. None of these things matter. If a person has Jesus is what matters and he's equally available to all, right? So stop evaluating other people from a human point of view. All of these things that we use to segregate ourselves and to wall people off, even in the church when we say, you have to be this, 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 and this to be a person who's following Jesus, like, just stop evaluating people from that, right? What was Jesus doing? Look at all these things. He invited people who were broken, who were still in the midst of sinning, people who realized that they had been forgiven, and he just said, hey... God loves you and he cares about you. You belong. Come join me. Let's hang out. That's all he did in these scenarios. And it completely changed these three people's lives. Think about that, right? Let's stop evaluating other people from a human point of view. Um, let's not grumble at people and say, rah, 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 like, just accept, okay, if whatever they did, they did. And, and, and move on from it, right? Don't, don't make value judgments on a person based on every little action they make. That's something I've been really working on myself doing, not being like that person's a blah, 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 because this happened or they didn't do blah. Like, I don't know all the circumstances. I need to stop. I need to stop evaluating people from a human point of view and just remember that Jesus would have treated them the way he did these people in this story and that Jesus, like it says in the, in this, right? He died for them. He was raised for them, meaning everyone, right? And Paul ends it saying, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view and how differently we know him now, right? They were, Paul hated Jesus and was trying to kill Christians because 
he was just looking at Jesus from a human point of view, but then he had an encounter with Jesus and he knew without a doubt that he was the son of God and that he really was who he said he was, that he died and came back to life. And that all of the stuff he was saying about the kingdom and forgiveness and how God cares about everyone, Jews, Gentiles, meaning everyone who's not Jewish, sinners, not sinners, whatever we place these values on people, he treats everyone the same. And that's an amazing, amazing thing. So I want us to remember that. Stop evaluating others from a human point of view. Seek a place where you can belong. Help make youth group a place where you can belong and your friends can feel belonging and know that that's what Jesus does. That's why we take communion every week as a group. So um, I hope you guys uh, live that out this week. Seek to be in relationship and community with people. Seek to bring people to a place where they can be in relationship and community with people who love Jesus and see what that looks like because that can transform lives and that will bring your anxiety way down. Love you guys. Have an awesome week.